thank you, band. <laughs> um, we're just going to get right into it. Um, sweet. Um, anyways, this week's message is be encouraged if you're taking notes. Week three, so we've had two other weeks before. Um, go back and listen to them if you've missed them. You can watch them either on like Facebook or um, listen to them on Podbean or on Spotify or even I think Apple Podcasts. Like the church has it all now. Like oh, fancy. So whatever you like to listen to podcasts on, and if you don't listen like to listen to podcasts, get into podcasts. I love to go for a walk and listen to a podcast. I feel like I'm being double productive, um, and also like walking with nothing like. I just start to think about like random stuff and then I'm like, what is going on? And I've been like walking at this pace because you're just like, start to, yeah, whatever. Anyway, so listen to podcasts, it's a good thing. Um, anyways, today we're talking about being encouraged. And I have to say, I felt a little bit like a hypocrite doing this message because, you know, like I said, all of our youth, we've all been talking about doing spiritual gifts at the moment. And so one of them is exhortation. And then all these kids, which was really nice to see, a bunch of them all had exhortation in like their top five thing. And then they're all like asking me what mine is. I'm like, oh, exhortation ain't even on the list for me. And I'm doing a message on being encouraged. Um, That feels a bit hypocritical. But it's something that I'm constantly working on because I believe that if you are a good encourager, you don't only change your own world, but you change the worlds of those around you. It's really important to be an encourager. And um, yeah, it's something I'm working on. So I'm, I'm not trying to be hypocritical, but you know, sometimes you've got to preach to yourself while you're preaching to everyone else. Um, anyways, encouragement is one of the greatest gifts we can give someone. And I believe that's because every single person in this room right now is facing a battle that we don't know about. Every single person you know, probably didn't know about the battles that Jono shared about until he literally just got up and shared about them. We didn't know that that was stuff that he was struggling with. We don't know on those prayer request cards what people have written down. There's a battle that they're facing that nobody knows anything about. Maybe a few people might know, whatever. But I would probably say 95% of you in this room are facing a battle I have no idea is going on in your life. 95% of you out there don't know about the battle I have going on in my life. Everybody we come across in our daily lives is going through a battle, whether that's the barista at your coffee shop, your kid's teacher, your, I don't know, the person at the traffic roadworks that turns the stop-go sign, he's probably going through a battle too. Everyone's going through a battle, and they're invisible. They're invisible battles that they're facing every day. And working with teenagers, hanging out with teenagers who can be some of the most cynical people you've ever met and some of the most critical people you've ever met, I've learned that I have no idea what God can do through a single word of encouragement. That one throwaway comment can change someone's whole life. That one time where I complimented a kid about their hat being cool and then they wore it in front of me for like eight weeks in a row because they were so impressed that I said that their hat was cool. Something as little as that has now impacted that every time they get changed, they're going to put that hat on. (laughs) It's things like that. We have no idea what a single word of encouragement can do and what God can do with it. And God can use those words, those one-off comments, those little things to build someone's hope to build someone's faith, to instill a spiritual confidence in them, all through a single word of encouragement, even a throwaway comment. And I think 
that what is so interesting about this is that there must be a craving for these words of encouragement, a craving for it, that me commenting on a kid's hat has now impacted his whole wardrobe and what he wears. We're craving that encouragement. And that's because, I don't have to tell you this, but it feels like discouragement is winning in the war of what's taking up our mind. You know, every headline, every story of struggle seems to be amplified. Every polarizing critique seems to be amplified above all the other noise. It's like um, you go on Facebook and you just scroll through and it's like 20 people having a fat argument on a New Zealand Herald article and I'm just like, oh, this is so depressing. And it takes like, I don't know, like 20, 40 scrolls to just get to like a single bit of, we're having a baby, and you're like, oh, fun, and then it's like, more like, this person died, and then this thing happened, and then you're like, oh, this is doing a lot for my hope and faith and joy at the moment, I'm scrolling social media, um, anyways, and I think when we're faced with all that, as well as our own invisible battles, all this discouragement in the world, as well as the discouragement in our own lives, I find it really hard, and sometimes even fake and hypocritical, for me to rally for other people. I'm like, I'm having the worst time. Why should I pretend that I'm having a good time for the benefit of this other person? This other person, sure, their life is falling to pieces too, but so is mine. So why don't, you know, misery loves company. Why don't we both just be miserable about our situations instead of me being like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to tell you about my problems because you're going through a problem, but God's got this. He's got you. He loves you. I believe in you. And it's like, oh, I don't even believe in myself, but I'm believing in this other person. It feels fake and it feels disingenuous sometimes. How am I supposed to step in and lift someone else up, give them hope and encouragement when I'm already feeling so depressed or anxious or disheartened or discouraged in my own life, in my own situation? How? And I think that's where it becomes really important for us to learn to internally encourage ourselves, not only so that we can externally encourage others like we've been told to, like we've been asked to from God, but because sometimes that external encouragement runs dry and we need to be able to encourage ourselves because we're the only ones that are in our situation, that are in our moments. And God's there too, but we need to learn sometimes to take his words and internally encourage because the external encouragement is running dry. And we see what happens in the story of Job. We can see how his friends' failure to encourage him in the midst of dire circumstances. If you don't know the story of Job, um, Job was this really righteous, um, really faithful man who had a great relationship with God. He was extremely generous, probably one of the most upright people in the Bible. And then he just loses everything. He loses his children. He loses his possessions, all of his wealth. He loses his health. He ends up being this man covered in boils who's lost everything and is just, it's like so, the Bible is so graphic about how awful his life is that they talk about him using bits of broken clay to scrape himself. Like probably the, I've known people that have gone through a lot less that have walked away from God, that have entered a massive depression, things like that, that they just feel like they can't overcome. And Job's still here, faithful, but his friends fail to encourage him in this situation. And it negatively affects Job. 
if I'm Job at this point, I need encouragement to keep going. I need it. It's not something that I want. It's something that I need. And what do his friends do? They turn around and they blame him for all the misfortune in his life. And they say, Job, it's your fault. Job, you've probably got some sin in your life that you haven't dealt with. I'm going to get in my soapbox for a second. If you're someone that turns around and says to someone after they're explained a hardship and says, it's probably because you've got secret sin in your life. You need to, I don't know what Bible you're reading because you're not reading the same Bible as me. Um, God is a God of love. God is a God of concern. God is a God of encouragement. He does not inflict pain on you because you did something bad. In fact, he sent his son down to die for you because you were going to do something bad. And not because you did something bad, but because he wants you to live a beautiful, complete, full life with him. I, please, that's wrong teaching if you've been taught that. If you believe that, come and talk to somebody because God does not hate you. God loves you. He does not inflict pain. Anyways, that was a massive side note. Anyways, so that's what his friends did. So they already ticked me off because they said... It's probably because you've got some sin in your life you haven't dealt with. It's, probably, it's all your fault. These are the consequences. You deserve this pain. It's all nothing but negativity, tearing him down, not building him up. And also another side note, I wonder what was going on in his friends' personal lives for them to react in that way, that they felt like the first thing they needed to do was point out critiques for Job. Anyways, that's a side note. Anyway, so Job responds to them in a great, 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 great way in Job 16, verses 2 to 5. And it says, I have heard this all before. I'm already annoyed again because he's saying, I have heard this all before. He's heard this. People have already critiqued. He's heard it. What miserable comforters you are. Won't you ever stop blowing hot air? What makes you keep on talking? Job's serving them. I'm good for it. I'm like, do it, Job. Um, I could say the same things if you were in my place. I could spout off criticism and shake my head at you. But if it were me, I would encourage you. I would try to take away your grief. And Job's pointing out, I've heard this all before. Your terrible comforters you suck at this kind of thing. Um, What makes you keep on talking? I love that. What a great um, insult right there. But he's saying, I could say the same things. It's easy. It's easy to be cynical. It's easy to be critical. It's, It's, anyone can do that. I can turn to anyone and say, after this message, what did I do wrong? And someone might be like, oh, you're holding the mic too close. Oh, actually, you're holding the mic too far away. Oh, um, you walked around too much. Oh, actually, not enough. Oh, actually, you're talking too much and saying, you've said like actually 70-something times in that message. Whatever. I can easily find critique. It's easy to find it. It takes work to encourage. I've heard this all before. Cynicism and criticism can be supplied by anyone. And then Job turns around, a man of great character, and he says, if it were me, I would encourage you. If it were me, I would put the effort in to speak life into your situation. If it were me, I'd put the hard work and the labor in to take away your grief and your pain. 
you know, Proverbs 18.21 is a famous verse. It talks about, you know, we have the power of life and death in our tongue, things like that. James talks about it so much. He's like, literally your words that you speak can speak life or it can speak death. Our words can, um, are filled with power. They can crush. They can destroy. They can also build up and they can help others flourish. And Job's friends spoke with negativity towards him, knowing the hopeless circumstances he faced, knowing all that he had lost. And then I think about when we don't know what others are going through, and maybe that one little critical comment that didn't need to be said can set others on a terrible path as well. But yet his friends know of this horrible situation, and they're still not offering encouragement. And so for Job to turn around and say, if it were me, I would encourage you. This shows that he's a man who wants to build others up in their faith. He's a man who wants to instill confidence in others. He's a man that believes that God is for others as well as for himself, that he doesn't forsake them and forget about them, but that he loves and cares for them, that God is working in the midst of their terrible or great circumstance. And Job understands this through his own tough circumstances, that everyone is facing a battle we don't know anything about. And he also knows that a word of encouragement holds power. Hebrews 3.13, I'm going to read it in two different versions. One's the NIV, and that says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And then in New King James, Hebrews 3.13 again, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Encourage one another daily. Not when I think to or when the Spirit prompts me to, I have to put in work to remember to encourage people daily. It's a daily thing. It may be part, maybe it's a thing that you could do part of your my 15 time of your private time with God every day. You read your Bible, you worship, you prayer, and then maybe you encourage. That's something that we've been asked as a daily task to do. And I think, oh, you know, God wants us to worship so often so that we're in connection with him. He wants us to pray, read our Bible so often so we're in connection with him. Why does he want us to be encouraging one another? Why does he want us to be encouraged so often, why do we need that much encouragement? And it's because we actually need encouragement to overcome the power of sin. Sin lies, sin deceives, it attracts, it destroys, it tears us down, it tells us what we got wrong, it tells us um, who we hurt, it tells us all the bad things in life, all the bad mistakes we've made, all the wrong things. And it keeps bothering us about it. It keeps on pestering us about it. It discourages us. It's that negative voice in your head that tells you everything you're doing wrong. And, yeah, it's those things that, yeah, you believe, and it's these discouraging and negative things that we believe and we hold on to every day. And the power of sin is why we need encouragement. Because I need encouragement, I know others need it too. Because I need encouragement, I know I need to give it. Because I need encouragement, I will encourage others daily 
So myself and others aren't distracted by sin's attractiveness. They aren't distracted by sin's deceitfulness. And we get hardened by it too. Um, And like I said at the beginning of my message, I have an awkward relationship with encouragement. You know, I think I should be better at it. And I know there's other people that are better at it than me. And I wish I was as good as them. And I feel sometimes a bit insecure while doing it. It feels kind of unnatural sometimes while doing it because, you know, I'm one of those people that's like, I'm a realist. Like, you can't be happy sunshine rainbows all the time. So, like, I can't give out encouragement all the time because the fact is sometimes people do things wrong and we need to sort them out and tell them, listen, that note you played on... <laughs> whew, that was a bit of a bung one. Or, oh, that, that's, that, that song that you sang just then did not sound as good as it did the other week. Maybe someone needs to practice a bit more. Or that's just me being sad to the worship team like I am all the time. Or even at youth, I'll be like, "Mm, those shoes are looking a bit raggedy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Things like that. I don't know. Like, instead of being, it feels unnatural to be like, you're so cool all the time. Like, that's like something I'm jealous of, Josh, when we do youth working. He'll come into the intermediate, he'll be like, you're so cool. And I'm like, no, he's a bit annoying. He's, he's 12 years old and he's just talking about Fortnite nonstop. I don't even understand what it's about. How is he cool? I don't know the th- last five words of the 10 in the sentence he just said. Um, it feels unnatural sometimes. Or sometimes I get in my head too much about it, like, What if they think I only commented Anna Cooper on her dress so she would compliment me on my dress? But I didn't. I just really like your dress. So like, oh, and then you just get in your head or like, oh, you do your hair slightly differently, but so so does someone else. So you want to compliment them on their hair, but you're like, oh, then they're going to think that I want to compliment back and I'm fishing, but I'm not fishing. I just want to be, oh, I'll just forget about it. I just won't do it. Things like that. I do that all the time. Or what if I come across insincere? You know what I mean? What if I get up and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Or does she, did I sound meaningful enough? Okay, let's try more positive. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, that sounded a bit sarcastic. No, um, and then you just kind of get in your head about trying to give a simple compliment. I feel in, sometimes I feel disingenuous. Sometimes I feel insincere. Sometimes I worry people are going to think I'm weird because I've never talked to this person before, but I really like their outfit, so I want to tell them. And then they think I'm weird because I've never talked to them before, but I complimented them on their outfit. I get really, really in my head about it. And if you're like me, we need to stop. (laughs) Just stop. We're overthinking it way too much. Um... If you're like me, you want to become a more encouraging presence, like I do, um, and you think like this, we've actually fallen into the trap of kind of being hardened by sin that that verse um, warns us about. Um, We've hardened hearts, we've become stubborn and kind of set in our ways that, oh, but I'm like this, and if I jump out of the lane and start complimenting when I don't normally, that's going to be disingenuous and insincere, So actually, I should just stay in my lane. That's not who I am. And we've actually been hardened and stubborn in our ways. Let this be a loving and concerned encouragement to you. And remember that our God is one of love and concern, and I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you this morning, that we need to allow him to mold us into who he needs us to be. 
sometimes the lane that we're currently in needs to change. And when we do that, even though it may feel uncomfortable, even though it may feel insincere, even though it may make us seem weird, we need to be in the lane God wants us to be in. So, stop thinking about it as a weirdo thing. Stop thinking about it like when you try to buy a gift for someone for the first time and you're like, I really hope they like it. Oh, I don't know. I hope they like this. this is, I hope it's not awkward and they just accept the gift and they don't make a big deal about it. Like, oh, what if they think it's ugly? Oh, I don't like it. And we think about it in that sort of way. And it's because why do we think about giving encouragement? and giving gifts in the same vein. And it's because one of the most valuable gifts we can give are our words of encouragement to those around us. We need to learn how to do it. We need to make it a priority, but how? And this is the thing. Sometimes you've got to let the intrusive thoughts win. And when we think something good, we just need to say it. When you think of something... I thought of something in the worship today. I was like, where's Mike? I was like... Mike, your voice sounded beautiful in sea of, uh, not sea of victory, every victory today. It was beautiful. It was so nice. It was so powerful. It was amazing. I loved it so much. And so I could have just held on to that and fought that thought and been like, Mike sounded so good today. Too bad he'll never find out about it. <laughs> but no, it was beautiful today, Mike. We need to tell people when we think something good, we need to express it. We need to tell someone. The very moment, this is my encouragement for you this week, the very moment you think something good about someone else, think something positive about someone else, I want you to either text them, call them, or write them a note, or reach out to them in some way and express it. We need to express our love, express our encouragement, say it, show it, express it. We, no one else is doing it. We got to do it. No one else is going to, what if no one else thought that thought today? Or what if everyone thought that thought today and decided someone else will tell him? Someone else will tell Mike how beautiful his voice was today. Someone else will tell that person how beautiful their outfit was today. Someone else will tell them how meaningful, someone else will tell Jono how meaningful his testimony was today. Not me. Someone else will do it. We got to ditch that attitude. You know, Shaka Khan said it best. Tell me something good. Tell me that you love me, you know? Um, sorry, I've just been on a buzz for that song. I really like it. Um, anyways, um, and why do we need to express encouragement so much? And that's because when we don't, we're actually robbing people of blessings. When we hold back those good thoughts, it's doing damage. Why would we ever rob someone of a blessing that goes unexpressed? The best thing we can do for those around us, is to set those blessings and set those encouragements free. Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Imagine how much better our world would be, how much better the worlds of those around us would be if we just let those blessings fly if we thought something good and we expressed it. The relationships and the faith that we have and also outside those relationships, those environments at work could change, that toxic environment yeah, that you're working in could change, the toxic environment in your home could change. The, whatever environment that is 
seeming to pull you of life could become that life-giving environment that you want it to be. Instead of being vultures that pick apart every little thing, that pick apart every wrong thing, pick apart all the dead skin, the dead gross things about us, we should be people that yeah, install spiritual confidence, blessings and encouragements and praying prayers to God like in Ephesians 4.29 to make sure that unwholesome talk doesn't come out of our mouth but our mouth is one of encouragement that builds others up. These prayers are just important to pray as the encouragements that we spit out because sometimes if we try to do that in our own strength is when it gets hard. We need that prayer, that power of God inside of us. In a world full of criticism, disappointment, negativity, be the voice that encourages. Why? Because everyone is fighting a battle we know nothing about. Be the voice that's building people up. And I've said, I know I've said it like so many times, I'm going to keep saying it. I keep on saying, everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. And I think that that's something that we know in our head, but it's not something that we often know in our heart because we're too consumed with what's going on in our own lives. And we should be. We should be concerned about what's going on. It's true. But we also need to remember those around us when we're going through those things. And I think it's easier to remember, oh, this person's got this going on and this going on and this going on and this going on, but we're not doing anything about it. Love is a... I remember like, like cheesy. It's like love is a verb. And it's like sometimes cheesy but it, it's so true. Love is a verb. It's what we do to express sometimes. And encouragement is a form of us not just knowing in our heads what's going on with someone, but knowing in our hearts what's going on with someone when we express that encouragement. You are fighting a battle I most likely know nothing about. I am fighting a battle you most likely know nothing about. And you need encouragement, and so do I. And you might find that the person in your life that actually needs most, the most encouragement is you. People might look at you and think that you're someone full of confidence, someone full of, like, that just has their life together, that knows what's going on, but they don't know that behind closed doors your private life's falling apart or maybe your workplace is falling apart, maybe all these different aspects of your life, maybe your family, maybe your financially, maybe your marriage, maybe, um, yeah, at work, whatever it is, things are falling apart, but you're putting on this mask, this kind of demeanor of, I've got this, the confidence is there, I'm, I'm fine, God's got it, people got it, like, whatever, whatever happens, happens, but you're lacking that sense of encouragement. The person that really needs encouragement in that moment is you. But what do you do when you need encouragement to carry on and it feels as though the well of encouragement that should be coming from friends and family has start to run dry? And David faces that exact situation in um, 1 Samuel 30. And to give you some context, this is the guy, Dan, uh, David, who it probably is the, should be the most confident man in Jerusalem at this point. Like, he's killed Goliath, like, with a slingshot and, like, chopped his head off and just, like, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, this little tiny boy who was a shepherd boy has done this. Like, if that's not a, like, I am the greatest, I'm a champion moment right there that installs the most confidence into you, 
I don't know what that is. He's a guy that, like, they sing songs about saying, like, Saul's killed, like, thousands of famous king, but David's killed tens of thousands. He's so victorious. He's so incredible. Probably should be the most confident and secure man in his position, in his life, in all of um, Jerusalem at that point. Anyways. So in this point of the story that I'm about to talk about, David and his army returned to their home to find that an enemy army had raided their city, burned it to the ground, and took all of their wives and children captive. And it says in verse 3 to 4 of 1 Samuel 30, When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. They then blame him and Verse 5, and then in verse 6 it says, David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. They began talks of stoning him, but David found strength in the Lord his God. You'd think that all these men that had all this faith in David, that seen all of his triumphs, that saw um, this insane amount of confidence that he's displayed, that they would be faithful to him, that they would have his back, that they would be speaking as much encouragement as he gives to them. But on that one instant, they just turned on him. And what was David supposed to do but find strength in the Lord, find encouragement in the Lord? Um, Our English translation, um, the phrase found strength, in the Hebrew um, translation, it uses the word shazak, which is such a weird word. I think of Shazam, like the movie, yeah, like where you're like, Shazam, and then he turns into a superhero. Um, but it's Shazak. Um, and Shazak has been translated into many, many, many phrases in the Bible, some being um, he became mighty, he became powerful, became strong, he was encouraged, he established himself securely, he gave him strong support, he held his own, showed himself courageous, making him strong, strengthened himself, and a bunch more. And all of these translations, all of these um, different interpretations of the word shazak imply that this Hebrew word isn't just about finding strength, but telling yourself to be strong also. You know, he says he gave himself strong support. He showed himself courageous, made himself strong, strengthened himself, established himself He held his own. And the King James Version actually translates that verse as, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself. He spoke to himself. He told himself of God's faithfulness to his promises. He told himself of God's provision, of God's goodness. When everything he saw looked hopeless, um, he, when everything and everyone was speaking discouragement over him, he spoke life into himself. He encouraged himself. He built himself up, and he instilled spiritual confidence in himself. David had Shazak. And some of you here in this room have lost your Shazak. I have lost it before, found it, lost it, found it, lost it, found it. I don't know where in the point I am. Maybe I've half lost it. Maybe I've half found it. I don't know. But some of you have lost your Shazak, and you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. The story then continues in verse 8. Then David asked the Lord, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? 
And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. When did God give David this word of victory? After David encouraged himself in the things of God. If you're searching for a word of victory in your circumstance, you need to encourage yourself in the things of God. And I don't know about you, but this is when living in a brain like mine kind of sucks because often I find the positive words so difficult to remember, but the negative ones so hard to forget. I've had the nice um, niceties of like eight different people in the church over the past few weeks tell me how great of a job I'm doing with youth, which is really nice to hear saying that they, their kids love it, that they love that their kids love it, that um, they can see them growing spiritually, things like that, and all things that I really, really love to hear and want to hear. And that's been in the past couple of weeks. But if I'm being honest, probably only remember one of those conversations of those eight weeks. But I can remember a conversation I had with a parent three years ago about how they were really upset with how youth was being run so vividly and clearly that I could sit down and tell you everything that was said in that conversation. I find the positive things hard to remember and the negative things hard to forget. And don't worry, if you're like this, you're not a weirdo because um, I was doing some research on this for some youth stuff a while back. Um, and it was saying uh, some neurologists were doing studies that proved that our brain is predisposed to um, negativity. That, that's where we're at. One study found that the large majority of humans, when presented with negative news, believed it immediately. But when presented with positive news, it took them up to 15 seconds to actually truly believe it. I've had that moments where people have told you really good things, and you're like, are you serious? Really? Oh, no, you're joking. You're lying. But if someone presents me with negative news, oh, blah, 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 I'm like, oh, that sucks. There's no, I don't go, really? No, I don't, I don't know if I believe you. But whenever presented with positive news, it comes with that disbelief factor. Um, and that's because it's difficult to remember the positive and difficult to forget the negative. And I think that's why self-talk among this younger generation has become such an important thing and such a big thing, because um, what we say to ourselves matters. I don't know if you don't believe that, but it does. The way you talk to yourself actually affects everything and every single part of who you are and how you operate in your life. What are you speaking over yourself? Are you speaking life-giving and faith-building words? Or are you speaking words of destruction and hopelessness? We have to talk to our feelings. David, who we've just been talking about, he encouraged himself. He talked to himself. He reached uh, out to himself, basically, and like built himself up in the Lord. And we get glimpses all throughout the Psalms of David's inner monologue and his self-talk throughout it. Um, he always talked to himself, questioned himself, reflected on himself. Words like, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Why are you hurting? Why are you so low? He even asked himself, why are you so depressed, soul? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so discouraged? And these are really healthy examples of how we should check in on ourselves. We can't just keep pushing through and keep pretending everything's okay. We need to take those moments where we stop and we reflect and we ask ourselves and, our, and the inner parts of us, 
what is going on? Why am I feeling this way? Maybe a question you need to ask yourself right now is why do I feel so disconnected? Why am I battling with anxiety? Why is fear overwhelming me right now? Just a few examples to examine yourself. Psalm 42.5 shows us that David checks in on himself, says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He then encourages himself in the next part. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Put your hope in God. David didn't say to himself, David, you've got this. You can do it. I believe in you, David, which I've tried. You ever tried to do that to yourself? Like, I tried to take up running. It didn't go well. And I'll just be in my head and I'll be like, you can do it, Madison. I'm like, shut up. Like, talking to myself, having like, I've got like two people in my brain just be like, shut up, telling myself I can do it. I don't want to. And then you're having this intense inner monologue. Um, Anyway, so David didn't do that. He didn't go, you've got this, David. You can do it. I believe in you. He said to himself, put your hope in God. He didn't try to comfort himself. He actually instead preached to himself and he got his shazak back. And why did David encourage himself? Why did he preach to himself? And that's because the word encourages and speaks truth. If you're bored, you're like, I don't like reading the Bible. It's boring. It's a big book full of a bunch of rules or it's a big book with random stories I don't understand, it sucks, I don't like it. This word, it's not, the word encourages and speaks truth into our situations. When we really look at it and we think about these random stories, the reason why they're in there is not for us to be deterred from the faith, but to be encouraged in our faith. That's why God gave us the Bible. If he thought that we didn't need it, he wouldn't have given it to us. We need the word. And there is nothing more encouraging than the word of God. Absolutely nothing. We have a book full of examples of God's great character and God's great promises to us. He's our provider, our protector. He is good. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. He's always in control. He's working things together for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purpose. We don't need to believe the negative voice when we have the voice of God in book form. The one that tells us, um, that voice that tells us that the world is falling apart, that you're broken, that you're messed up, that everything is the worst, that your relationships are going to break down, that you can't do it, that your life is never going to mean anything, is fully disputed by the word that God has given to us, that the word God speaks into us. We know that our God is working in us, and I trust that he is working in the people around me. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. There's countless, countless examples. You are the righteousness of God. You are blessed coming in and going out. Your sins have been forgiven. You are redeemed. You are a joint heir with Christ. The word encourages me. No matter what situation, there is an answer in the book. No matter what bad thing I'm telling myself, there is a disputing thought that God has spoken over me. I am free from the power of sin and death. 
I am filled with the Spirit that raised Christ from the grave. I am the workmanship of God. I am a masterpiece in His eyes. I am a new creation in Christ. He's thrown my sins as far away as the east from the west. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm seated in heavenly places. My God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. Stop walking around like you have no power. You do. Preach to yourself. Get your shazak back. It's yours for the taking. Because of what Christ did for us, because of what Christ is doing in us, we'll be a voice of faith and a voice of encouragement. If I could just get Zoe and Rimmer up, that would be cool. When the world seems to just be exuding negativity, we'll express love and grace. We'll walk in justice and mercy and humility. We'll be a people of faith, and they will know us by the love that we express to others. This is our mandate. This is our calling. So for whatever battle that you are facing that no one knows anything about, you need to be encouraged not only in the word, but by others and by yourself. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. Our God understands your pain. His word is true. He's always faithful and his promises are for you. So when you need to encourage yourself when you're down, talk to yourself with words of faith. When you need to encourage those around you, say the good thing every time. Bless them. God is our greatest champion and we are called to champion those around us. If all of you would be able to close your eyes and just reflect on what I'm saying, that'd be cool. So just bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to talk for a little bit and then, um, yeah. If you are someone who's facing a battle that has left you discouraged, that has left you with your shazak stolen, that desperately needs some external encouragement around you in this time, and you're seeking prayer for that, we want to invite you into a prayer. God, we can ask for anything from Him. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to um, be worried about where our standing is with God before we ask for that. We can't don't need to be worried that maybe I'm not praying enough, maybe I'm not reading my Bible enough, so I shouldn't ask for this thing. That's not how it works. God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to meet you where you're at. You don't have to be good enough to reach God. And He wants to encourage you in this moment. So if you're that person, you want your Shazak back, you want to feel encouraged in your battle, you want encouragement from those around you, I want to invite you to have the bravery and the boldness to get up right out of your seat right now. Just stand up where you are and we'd love to pray for you. So if that's you, awesome. Is there anybody else that needs some Sazak call? Anybody else that needs a word of encouragement? Anything like that? Any discouragement that needs to be gotten rid of? not too late. You can stand if you still need it. I'm going to give you another 10 seconds. Really think about your circumstances. Are you encouraged in what you're doing? Are you feeling like you're 
got life-giving opportunities or you feeling like it's being teared down? What do you need? Awesome. And we, as a body of faith right now, Hebrews 3.13 calls us to be a body that encourages other believers within the body. It's good for us and it's good for them. So what we're actually going to do is I want everyone here to find someone standing around them right now and we're going to surround them and we're going to pray with them. So look up if there's someone near you, reach out to them. If there's not anyone near you, then um, just reach out your hands. But if you're there, stand up and get around them. And we're going to pray together. Because this is what we're called to do. We're a body of faith, a group of believers. It's not just the leaders that can pray. It's not just um, other people. We're all here to pray together. So if you see someone behind you, maybe see someone around you, make sure you reach out to them and we're all going to pray together. So I want people that are here, I want you guys to be praying. Maybe you want to ask about the circumstance that they're going through and do a specific prayer. Maybe you don't, but we're all going to pray together. So reach out your hands if you're still sitting, whatever. We're all going to pray together. God, I thank you for every single person in this room that may be feeling discouraged that they're not running away, Father, but that they're running to you. I pray for encouragement. I pray for faith. I pray that um, they would get their Shazak back, Father, that they wouldn't have to rely on an external encouragement, but they would rather have an internal encouragement to build them up, Father. I pray life into them. I pray faith into them. I pray an installing of spiritual confidence. God, I pray that they would leave and there would be a walking testimony of how encouragement can change lives. In Jesus' name. I also pray for every single person in this room that as we leave this place, that we would be people of encouragement, that people would look at our lives and they wouldn't... um, And they would see that there's something different about us, see that we're people that speak life, that speak of the positive things, God, that would have the bravery and amongst the worldly critiques and amongst the worldly cynicism to turn around and point out the good things, Father, because all good things come from you. And I just pray that each and every single one of these people that are being prayed for would have a moment in their lives where they're able to look back at today and say, this is the moment I got my Shazak back. And this is the moment that I could walk in God and I had a spiritual confidence about me that I started speaking life not only into myself but others. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're still being prayed for, keep praying for those people. Um, If there's anybody here that needs extra prayer, wants to talk with somebody, We're all here as part of the team that wants to love and encourage and walk with you. We can't do this whole thing alone. It's really difficult and really hard. I know probably a bunch of us have tried and realized that being in community is what is needed. So if that's you, you want to have a conversation with someone, um, get receive some encouragement or get involved in a small group or anything like that, then us leaders will hang down the front here. We want to talk with you. Connect group leaders, feel free to stick around too get some new people in your connect group anything like that otherwise um, that's all for this Sunday next week I will say it's Craig's birthday on the 27th of November so make sure that you say happy birthday to him he's preaching we'll embarrass him in some way um, but yeah, I think there's also going to be a cake after the service so come for cake um, otherwise um, thanks for coming make sure you connect with someone grab a coffee grab a prayer request card if you need it if you and like I said if you need some external prayer anything like that 
the leadership team will hang down here and we're happy to talk to you. Otherwise, see you all next week. And encourage someone this week. When you think something good, express it. See, see you later. Thank you.